Hi, my name is Ariane. I'm a traveler and I run a travel blog. Join me each week as I discover life, love, and the world. This is my Wonderlust Journey podcast. Hello, friends. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to Skillshare for supporting this podcast. I've been using Skillshare personally for a few months now and have taken a few courses on starting a YouTube channel, social media, photography, videography, and many others. They offer something for everyone. For your two-month free trial of their premium membership, click on my bio in my Instagram at wonderlessjourney.ca for the link, or you can visit my podcast page on my website at www.wonderlessjourney.ca for the link there as well. I also just want to say that you can now also support this podcast by becoming a patron. Again, you can visit my Instagram for the link there in my bio or my podcast pages for more information on that. Now on to today's show. Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Wonderless Journey podcast. I have a good friend of mine, Robert Marcoux, with me today. And we're going to be discussing when two travel agents collide. I think it's going to be a fun episode. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hi, thanks for having me and welcome all you listeners out there. Awesome. So let's kind of tell people how we met. So we met working together and we met at kind of a pivotal time of both of our lives you and I were both going through divorces, and we kind of connected that way, I guess you could say. <laughs> and made it to the other side. Made it to the other side. And we also share a love of travel. Absolutely. I, um, I started in the industry many, many years ago. Back in the 80s, I worked for a tour operator, which unfortunately is no longer around. But uh, I used to work for Fiesta Holidays. And it was one of the best experiences I've ever started as far as getting into travel was. Those were the days when I lived about an hour away from work and we would get a phone call saying, I hope you packed an overnight bag because you're going to South America for the weekend. Uh, And it's like, yes, boss. Yes, boss. We did. So, you know, always being excited about that. And sure enough, we would fly down five and a half hour flight. This was back in Toronto. Five and a half hour flight down and we would see as many of the different hotels as we could and check out the resorts because tour operators wanted to make sure what we were offering our agents was exactly what we were offering our agents. So if there was construction going on, we were checking that out. If the restaurants were brand new, we were checking out their meals. So we were pretty much treated like kings and queens on these trips. It was just exciting. And uh, from there, I went on to work for a couple of different airlines. Unfortunately, they both went bankrupt and uh, after many years of being there but it's what gives you the experience of getting out i wanted to stay in the industry but i'd moved west and there was no head office functions out here which was the departments that i was working in so i ended up working for as a manager for the screening officers at an airport now that could be a whole other podcast Uh, that's a very very different industry and there's a lot to talk about in that one we may save it for another day yeah i think we are i i uh i ended up being able to do some traveling and I found this really good travel agent, uh, happened to be Arianne. 
she sent me to several places that I enjoyed so much. I would walk in the day I came back and say, book me again. I want to go. I can't wait. And uh, I ended up working with her in the same agency, putting all of my history back together. And it's just been the best thing that I can think of. Awesome. And we're no longer working for the same companies. However, you're still a agent I'm an, as I'm well. an independent travel agent now. So I work from home, which means 24-7, which is a, a great benefit because although a lot of the brick and mortars are shut down right now with the pandemic, we have the luxury of being able to continue working with our clients. And it's been really rewarding. Uh, they, my clients know me, they know they can call me, and they know they're going to get answers to the best that I can, considering what's going on. But uh, it, it's a blessing to be able to um, be able to just pick the phone up from your own home and uh, take care of your clients. And they know they can get a hold of you. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Awesome. So before we start to get into everything, I've got some questions for you that I ask everybody who comes on my show. So first one... Window or aisle seat? What do you prefer? Uh, that's going to depend on short haul flight or long haul flight. If I'm on a short haul flight, just give me the aisle. I also pick a seat that's close to the exit because I know what people are like when they get up to get off the plane. And I like to be one of the first ones off. So it's much easier to be able to stretch your legs in an aisle seat, hit the loo if you need to, get the attention of the flight attendant if you need to, and get off the plane quick. So that's no problem. But when I'm on a long haul flight, I'm not going to be that person that falls asleep on the shoulder of the person next to me. <laughs> I'll pick the window so I've got that kind of an opportunity. And I also get to see, especially if you're traveling to Europe, you're waking up in the morning when you're flying and you're landing, and you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to uh, uh, look out that window and see where it is you're landing, which gets your excitement going. Oh, for sure. So are you a nervous flyer? There is nothing about nerves when I fly at all. I remember years and years ago when I was 18, I used to fly standby, which is a oh, pretty <laughs> uncommon thing right now. For $100, they would let you fly on whatever seat was available at the end of the flight as they were boarding. And inevitably, I was always sitting in first class because they're the only people who can afford not to show up for a flight. True. So there was always an empty seat there. And for first class $100, I was, but it's funny, you get over that nerves immediately once you start doing it. As far as nowadays, I'm more bored throughout the entire flight, except for takeoff and landing. Really? Absolutely. It's like, if there's anything I can do to pass that time. So I've known to do movie marathons on flights to Europe because I just want the time to be gone. Yeah, totally hear you. Do you have any travel rituals? <laughs> That's a funny question. I have a ritual I've never shared with anybody. Oh. And it is every time that I'm boarding an aircraft, as you are getting to the door of the aircraft, I put my hand up on the outside of the aircraft before I enter and say hello to the flight attendants who are greeting you and heading you towards your seat. Oh, interesting. Okay, so the next question for you is, do you travel by backpack or luggage? That goes back to whether it's a short haul or a long haul flight. Uh, short hauls, so much easier to get through the airport, on the plane and off the plane when you've got to carry on. The long haul flights, I have proven to need a suitcase. <laughs> I have a tendency when, for instance, I'm in France to purchase perhaps a new copper pot to cook with. 
and you do need that space to carry it. It's so much easier just to be able to have it wrapped and put into your suitcase. I always make sure that there's a little bit of room for the souvenirs. For sure. I think you and I both share the love of kitchen items Absolutely. while we travel. Absolutely. <laughs> so yes, I totally agree with that. So how many countries and continents have you visited? Uh, it's funny. I was thinking I'm, I'm such a world traveler and yet I'm not. I have, there's so much more for me to see. I have been to nine countries and I think my problem with that is because I love going back to the one when I discover it. So I've been to Paris once and it is highest on my list of I need to get back there. So I have a trip planned for that. Continents, I've managed to hit four of the continents. Uh, the one I'm missing out on, well, I'm going to say the one I really want to get to and I'm missing out on is, of course, uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, it, the Asian you know, areas that I need to really, really soak up. I can see a Mekong river cruise in my future, so we're going to take that off the bucket list. Sounds good. And obviously, you've already kind of touched on it, but what has been your favorite country to visit? Uh, Paris is definitely a favorite. I think my friends more than anything know England is my, what I call, home away from home. I was absolutely gobsmacked when I got to England, and I couldn't wait to walk down two more blocks and turn a corner because there was always something brand new and exciting to see. Who knew if you went for a little stroll and turned to the left, there's Camden Town. Who knew if you went further down the road, you're walking through Little Little Italy and or Little Venice and you're walking along the canals. My first experience in London was staying in Notting Hill. Who hasn't seen that show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's totally true. So what has been your most memorable travel experience? That's such a great question. There, it, when you're talking with travel agents, I don't know if anybody's noticed, when travel agents collide, it's more like when they sit in conference because we both have so, you know, so many wonderful experiences to talk about. Yeah. My favorite thing, and I still tell this to every customer that wants to book France with me, when you go to Paris, I, I happened to go from England, so I took the Eurostar over, mm-hmm. which is super exciting, by the way. When you're on the Eurostar and you're going that fast, you're, when you go under the channel, it's a blink of an eye and you're through it already. And the only difference that I found when you were on that train, besides the fact that it took such a short time to get to Paris, was that any train ride, you're usually down looking at farmer's fields as you go past. Mm. When you're on the Eurostar, you just see them a little faster. That's all it is. The farmer's fields go by a little bit faster. Next thing you know, you're pulling into Gernord. And then when I got out of there, I stood and looked to the right, and there was this massive lineup for taxis. A gentleman walked over to me and said, are you looking for a taxi, sir? I said, yes, I am. He said, just around the corner. Followed my gut instinct. I walked around the corner. There was every motorcycle taxi you could think of. It was the best experience in my life. He strapped my very large suitcase to the back of a huge motorcycle, wrapped me in leather, put the helmet on, the goggles, and nobody knew that I had a grin ear to ear the whole way from Gernord right to my hotel. It was the best 75 euros I've ever spent. Yeah. Yeah, it almost kind of looked like a Honda Goldwing. It was, it was that size. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it could have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looked, looked so cool. It was fantastic. 
So what is your best travel tip that you give your clients and what you can give our listeners today? I'm going to give you two. The first one is go with your gut instinct or lose your inhibitions. How does that sound? A lot of us, when we travel, we tend to say, oh, I could go down there. Oh, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar with it. I'm going to stick to the touristy stuff, which is wonderful. Go see the touristy stuff for sure. That's why tourists go there. Mm-hmm. But boy, when you let go of those inhibitions and you take that different street because something caught your eye, there's so much you get out of that. There's little shops that you didn't know existed. There's alleyways. There's stunning architecture and doorways. There's little garden squares that you can peek through and, if lucky, not get caught for trespassing. But keep your camera going. (laughs) So definitely you want to lose those inhibitions and just go with your gut instinct. It's just, it's marvelous to be able to to get more out of it. So, So plan less in what you're doing. Take the time to do what it is you want to do. And what you, what you want to see, you're going to be surprised at what unfolds before you. And it's funny you say that because that's the one thing that I've actually done recently on my trips is that I found that I've been over planning some of my trips. Because, you know, being a travel agent, we're like, you shouldn't be planning your vacation on your vacation. Absolutely. And we do it. <laughs> and we we do tend it. to do it. We also, we, we try to pack far too much in to one day, oh, I'm only going to be there for one day, so I need to see this, this, this. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If you plan, if you're going to if you're gonna do that, plan it out and then remove half of it because that's probably all you're going to get done and enjoy it. Yeah. So the second part of that thing I was going to say was if you get the opportunity, travel by yourself at least once. Totally agree. It is phenomenal when you are calling the shots for nobody but you, it's an amazing feeling when you get up in the morning and say, today's the day, yes, it's five in the morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go find the sunrise somewhere. Or I'm going to get up and I'm going to go see this, who's on the streets at this time of the day. Mm-hmm. And who's cleaning up the streets at this time yeah. of the day from whatever happened last night. There's so much that you get to see. But you're not, you don't have to worry about oh, so-and-so said they're going to sleep in this morning, so I've got to sit and wait. You get to do what you want to do on your own time. You're responsible for yourself, and it's just a wonderful feeling. I've done it many, many times, but I've also, in the last little while, taken my partner with me, who has a different idea of what he wants to do for that day (laughs) and how he wants to handle the holiday. And it's just, it's a real, real treat when you get to fulfill everything that's going on in your head. Here's my daily bucket list. This is what I feel like doing. And you can do it because you're by yourself. For sure. So am I hearing that after this pandemic, you're going to be doing a solo trip? (laughs) We're going to have to see if the schedules work out for both of us to travel or not. You know, I, I absolutely love traveling with somebody because you get to see the world through someone else's eyes as well. Yeah. But if you get that opportunity, for all sense of the words, go. Go by yourself. Plan that trip. It doesn't have to be a massive holiday. It can be just be a short five-day trip somewhere, or it can be as long as you like. But boy, it's a great experience. And you do meet a lot of wonderful people along the way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So now we referenced the pandemic a couple times. So now I know you've had several experiences with economic downturns. You've been through September 11th with the airlines. Absolutely. 
kind of walk me through what you've been through in the past and how this current coronavirus situation differs, in your opinion? For sure. I mean, we touched on several things. I mean, when SARS hit Toronto, it was massive and it affected a lot of people at that time, but nothing like what's happening now. When 9-11 happened, I actually did work for the airlines. I believe our aircraft was the last one to leave Newark, New Jersey before they shut the skies down. And I recall the flight attendants and the pilots saying they could see the awfulness that was happening behind the aircraft uh, as they were leaving. And it was... Because you were a crew scheduler. I was a scheduler at the time. So I had to contact all crew and and deal with them. And of course, when they land, they come to our uh, area to check off for the flight that they've just completed. It was a really devastating time. It was an awful, awful situation. And again, it was the whole unknown. And it's a massive learning curve for how do we deal with situations like that. But nothing has really hit the world like this pandemic and the way that it's exploded on social media. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness we have the medical field and the scientists working on this because they're the ones who are keeping us abreast of what's going on, how we're doing as a society and handling it. And then one of the best parts about being a travel agent, and I'm sure Ariane knows this, is we belong to a lot of Facebook groups and other groups that are around the world. So we're watching the messages come through from other countries where they're just starting to open up now. Uh, Ariane and I were talking about this earlier today. In France, one of their uh, stipulations for the longest time was you couldn't leave your house except to go one kilometer away from your house. And you had to have a good reason to do it and papers to prove that this is what you're doing. They've just opened that restriction up to 100 kilometers from the house. And the good thing is, is we do get to see that the local people are now able to um, to wander out a little bit further, get a few more things done. And like everybody, they're tired of being home. So they're taking advantage of it, going for rides in their car to beautiful lookouts to... I have a lot of friends in France, by the way. So this is uh, the one I'm referring to that's in my head right now. Uh, my friend Johnny, who has been showing us wonderful pictures of where he's going to now that he can go further and not worry about it. But there still have many, many people that are affected by this mm-hmm. that have been tested positive in France So it's a slow rolling motion for what's happening. Um, We're going to see the countries loosen their controls. We're going to see the people move a little bit. We're going to see how that's affecting the curve or the flattening of the curve. Mm -hmm. And everyone's going to take appropriate action if something does change. If all of a sudden there's new outbreaks of this COVID because of the the loosening of these uh, situations, then they're going to tighten it back up again. Probably not as tight as it's been. But they are. The good thing is we get to see what's happening. I've, I've got friends in Italy and England and, and France. So yeah. they're giving all these messages now telling us, here's what happened, uh, what's happening. Here's how everybody's uh, affected by it and what's happening with the numbers of COVID, whether they're rising or whether they're being stable. I think the bottom line is the majority of people have been really good about this. Mm-hmm. They're doing what they're told, which as a world, we've never had that happen before. It's very true. We've been told as children by our parents, you can't go out of the house because you were bad. We were told by teachers at the school, you're staying for detention because you were bad. We've never been told by the world, y'all just have to stay home and you weren't bad, but you have to stay home. Yeah. So it makes everybody quite frightened about what's going on. Keep your eyes and your ears open. 
watch what's happening around the world, and we are going to be able to get through this. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. But now I had this kind of conversation with a few of my friends' clients. Do you think that COVID-19 has changed travel for the good? Absolutely, I do. I think it's waking up a lot of the industry, making them realize that there's no such thing as cutting corners to save a buck. Yeah, that's right. You're going to have to spend the money that you need to make sure that your your customers, which is where your paycheck's coming from, are comfortable and safe in the environment you're providing for them. So hotels have to step it up, and they have. Airlines have to step it up, and they have. Yeah. It's amazing who is now cruise lines have always done a really, really good job of the cleanliness of their ships. A lot of the problems that happen on them are from ill people who arrive on cruise ships who are spreading it around. You're going to see a lot of changes to this. But they're also identifying the cruise lines, the airlines, and the hotels, and the tourist industry, above all. They're all posting what they're doing to make it better for everybody because they need the confidence in the travelers. Mm-hmm. I have the confidence in myself. I, you, you can guarantee the first people who are going to be out on flights and on booking cruises <laughs> will be travel agents. That's so true. <laughs> we, are, we are just not used to being told you're not going on that trip anymore. We know and we, we can see and we're getting the responses uh, in the hundreds of emails that we get a day letting us know how they're taking care of us. Uh, we will all be the first bunch. You, you can almost guarantee we're all going to be travel agents on the first trips going out. Oh, yeah. So. For sure. Yeah. Because I basically, you and I had a trip actually booked. We did together. <laughs> that was canceled. <laughs> that was canceled. That was on the Holland America Koningsdam. We were... San Diego to San Vancouver. San Diego yeah. to Vancouver. Kind of the first time Holland America was going to bring that ship up for Alaska. So... Kind of a big bummer, but... It was, because it's a brand new ship. It's uh, It was doing its inaugural from the West Coast. And the whole uh, point of this cruise that we were on was to learn more about the, the ship itself, because it has some wonderful features on it. Yeah. And we were both really excited. We were going to do a podcast from the Koningsdam. We were. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've kind of postponed that, as the rest of the world's postponed everything they're doing, except baking bread, apparently. Yes. yes. Lots of sourdough recipes. Lots of sourdoughers yeah. out here. Yeah. Okay, so now let's kind of go back to your history with Canada 3000. The reason I want to bring that up is because I feel very strongly that it's okay that the Canadian Airlines right now are just offering, and I know it's a very controversial subject right now, but the fact that Canadian Airlines are just giving future travel vouchers instead of actual refunds. So tell me a bit about your history with Canada 3000 and why we have kind of the same viewpoint on this. We, we do, actually. And let's look at it right now. Canada has pretty much two major airlines, although we have Porter and a few, you know, we have two major airlines. We have Air Canada, WestJet. They compete with each other all the time. One day, one's better priced than the other, which is great. Their services are both wonderful. It's all about if their route gets you to where it is and the price is right. When I worked for Canada 3000, we had three major airlines and nobody really knew it. Now, we do, by the way, we do have Transat as well. Transat's a charter, but they do you know, offer some 
inter-Canadian city flights. And that's usually because they're going to be going on to Europe and things like that. So when I worked for Canada 3000, that was our fourth competitor. They were an absolutely wonderful airline that happened to go bankrupt. And again, it could be a whole new podcast on why that happened, but it's not necessary because it's so far in the past. They had an absolutely wonderful president who worked for the company. We did the best you could ever think of for an airline. It just, for whatever reason, happened to go bankrupt. What the point is, is it took away a massive market area in travel. Mm-hmm. From going from only two major carriers, and at that time, WestJet was a very small airline at that they time. They were, yeah. They were being very quiet and just doing their little job in the background, positioning themselves to jump in as soon as someone went bankrupt, and it happened. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but Canadian Airlines, they were already bought out by Air Canada. They were in the process. They were in the process. They were in the yeah. process of being bought out. They hadn't done the amalgamation yet. Uh, there's another sad story. Again, we could go on, but... <laughs> So the the point behind this is it's very, very easy to all of a sudden lose sight of what we have in Canada and what we could lose in Canada. So I know we're on the same track with this. I believe we both are in agreement that the airlines offering a future travel voucher instead of a refund. Airlines still need the cash flow to keep operating. Without that cash flow, they could lose employees. They could lose so many things. The aircrafts, they still have leasing that they have to pay for. They still have buildings they have to pay for. Every airport, the taxes, they have a lot they have to pay for. We don't want to see a government bailout, which some people have said, well, just let the government bail out. Well, guess where that money's coming from? It's your taxes. So so either way, you'd lose that way. Having a future travel voucher only makes sense because, number one, the majority of us are travelers. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to get on those flights again. We've got the money already. It's in a future travel voucher. We know you've saved for it. They're just saying, leave it with us in here. You're traveling. This money's going to you on your next trip. Mm-hmm. We're very fortunate they've just changed the rules in those yes. and have increased them now. It, before it used to be you could use that in uh, 11 months or, or whatever it was. Then it went to two years. Now, what's the full term on that? It's gone. So now it's there's there's no expiry. There's no expiry in your future. So you yeah. basically have a little bank with Air Canada if you ended up with a future travel voucher. I'm all for it. I know I have to use them constantly. We both had those flights going to San Diego. It's, you know, and they were with Air Canada. So now we both have future travel vouchers that we can use towards anything. It's not like her and I will not be traveling in the future. It's very true. It's going to be as soon as possible. I already have a trip possibly planned for September. So it's one of those things where it's going to benefit everybody, Canada globally, Air Canada. It'll benefit the travel industry. It'll benefit you to have that future travel voucher. I'm just, I'm all for it. Yeah. But I think it also comes down to as well that not many people realize, because we touched on this over lunch earlier is that the Canadian market and the global market anywhere else, it's very different. It's hugely different. Like Canada, the population of Canada and the travel distances between our cities, provinces is very vast. Yes, you can fly to Asia 
cheaper normally, then it will cost you to fly to Toronto. <laughs> absolutely. It does. But, it does. Absolutely. But it also comes down to competition. And w- Exactly. We have two carriers that we're competing with. We're not in the States where they have 27 different airlines offering 57 routes, but we also don't do the multiple stopovers you have to do there to get a decent flight to get somewhere or to get a decent price for a flight to get somewhere. You have to stop several times. Uh, We're fortunate we only have so many hubs here in Canada, Mm -hmm. but we still only have those two major airlines that are crossing the country. If we lost one right now... It's devastating. Absolutely devastating. We can't afford to do that. We're trying to progress in Canada. We're trying to get better. The better the competition, the better the pricing. I'd love a third airline to start up. Yeah. It won't happen for a while, but I'd love a third airline to start up. Competition's going to be good for us. So here's a question for you. What is your take on these ultra low cost carriers that have started in Canada? So for instance, we've got Swoop, which is technically owned by WestJet down the line. But what's your kind of view on Flare Air, Swoop? You have to be a little bit cautious over some of those startup airlines like that, the small low-cost carriers. Uh, One, we know that by the time you pay for everything you need to, it would have been the same price as booking on a regular carrier. For sure. It looks different because you're paying such a low price, but then they're going to charge you for absolutely everything. Once you put all that together, you might as well have bought a commercial flight at the price they were offering it on sale, follow your tra- your travel agent, believe what they tell you, because it's not like we're making any of this up. We are searching for you and getting the right information for you. They the try. other thing you have to worry too, though, is Flare Air only has three aircraft. Something goes wrong with one of them. They're not calling another airline to come get you. There's no other safeguard if something happens to that. And as far as I know, they have three aircraft. Uh, the last that I saw when I actually looked it up, that's all they had. Uh, Swoop does not have that many more. Now, yes, they're technically owned by WestJet. And if they had to, they could say, hey, can you do us a favor here? We've got a stranded aircraft with something. So there's always risks that you're taking by taking these low-cost carriers. Again, dollar for dollar, it really doesn't make much of a difference. That's also, if you want to, we can reference this and go a little bit further and talk about our, our A customer that's just to the south of us here, Allegiant Air. Yeah. There's a lot to be said about that. There's some wonderful, wonderful little stories that have been told about, yes, I I book with them all the time and I make it there all the time. They're also a low-cost carrier. Please be very careful when you're booking with them. If you get what you pay for, mm-hmm. you also have to recognize that they can change anything about that flight at any time, which all the airlines can. Mm-hmm. It's more likely to happen with the lowest cost carriers. There's several, there's there's a couple of charters that like to tell you that you're on a direct flight, but then say, oh, sorry, we have to make a stop to fuel. Yeah. And it's funny how when they stop to fuel, 12 of the people get off because that's the city they belong to. So somewhere along the line, you've been had. So, you know, this is why you book with a travel agent, because we do make sure that we know what we're selling you, that we investigate what you're getting, and that we give you our opinion on what you're going to get. So you're going to know, you know, and this is all based on experience. When you're dealing with one of us, we're not just the only person sitting there looking for this information. We have thousands of people that we have access to Mm -hmm. who have a been used, done and had the troubles with 
these other carriers, and we know the information in the story. So, yeah, this is, sorry, that's a plug for us, but, you know, no, it's, please, it's please, just so book with a travel agent because it's not costing you anything more to get the right information and to get a good a good trip. No, it's very true, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, the value of a travel agent, you know, our experience, we've got the first-hand experience where Expedia is not going to pop out of the screen and magically tell you, don't book this hotel, book this one. Because exactly. They're not going to tell you that the hotel next door has been under construction for three years. So, yeah. you know, this is the information that we know, we love, we find out, and we make sure you're, you're, you're uh, in agreement with it before you accept that and, and you know, want to go on a vacation where they're doing something like that. I love that. They're not going to pop out of the screen and tell you. And they're not. They're not. You're booking with a third-party engine when you book online. You're not booking with somebody that you can call, like myself, Ariane, working 24-7, trying to get everything we need to accomplish because we want you to enjoy and have a great holiday. Exactly. Okay, so we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but let's really kind of dive into this question that I know has been on everybody's minds. When do we think that travel is really going to rebound? And when do you think people are really going to start traveling again? I think you're going to see, I think it's going to come in slow steps. Uh, With the countries starting to lift their restrictions, they're also, uh, I've, I've seen on a lot of my emails and, and updated information that certain airlines are now providing more domestic flights available to their, mm-hmm. because they know their own country is going to be itching to get out and get to travel within their country. So we're going to see it happen in slow steps. We're going to see the, the populations of the countries start traveling amongst each other in the country. Uh, and that'll be the, your trains and that'll be planes and buses and things like that. The hotel industry is going to start picking up. It'll be a slow process. Then they're going to test the waters and you're going to see, you know, we're going to open up to the next country next to us. And we're going to see, we're going to offer a few more flights that way. So it's going to happen at a slower speed than what we are hoping for, which is a good thing. Now, the the thing that I'm going to say now is even if there's a rebound of this, let's say in the fall, when COVID may be still around, but the flu season's picking up. Yeah. We may get some false information because the numbers are going to, they're going to look huge mm-hmm. because we're mixing two flus or two viruses together. Obviously. So the numbers are going to look really high, but we know we're going to go through this anyways. I still think you're going to see the public most likely February and March of next year is when we're going to get back to a pretty strong type of travel. And then it's just going to continue to get better. Better, excuse me, unless there's some kind of a, a hiccup in, in, in the pandemic, which we're hoping there isn't. The, the, the countries that are doing really well are really smart and they're, and they're taking their time. I'm going to put a plug in right now. The New York Times just recognized BC's top doctor. Yes, they did. And we are giving kudos out to her because she's such a calming voice in all of this. And BC itself has done really well in flatlining this this whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to keep it that way. Yep. So we're going to really watch the numbers here. But that's here. We have to pay attention globally and watch what's happening everywhere else as well. I'm pretty sure it's just a time frame thing. Uh, Alberta seems to be about a month behind what's happening in BC. Mm-hmm. So their numbers are coming down, but they're still way above 
what we are right now. But so it's just a, it's, it's like a rollout Mm -hmm. and we're going to watch this roll and we're going to watch and see what happens as it spreads into the next countries. I, I really have a strong feeling about February, March of next year. Uh, I personally have people already booked into May and then I have a massive booking in September of next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're, you know, of course, fingers are crossed for all that, but everybody in that booking is incredibly excited that it's going to go ahead. So we all have those positive vibes that we're sending out, which just keep sending them and keep doing your part. Yeah. And it's and it's going to work and we're all going to be able to get back out there and, and, and learn about culture and street food. <laughs> no, for sure. And, and, I, and I do have to say that everything I've seen on social media when it comes to the airlines, the cruise lines, hotels, they've they've done a really good job. I would say especially again, it's like each week that goes by, they're doing a better job at that education of how they're making things different and gaining the customer's trust back. So I do think that, you know, I know I've got clients as well that are excited for next year and their cruises. I mean, I've, I think you and I even had this conversation where we would both jump on a cruise tomorrow because it's probably the safest way to travel right now. In a heartbeat. Absolutely. There's something else that I wanted to touch on as well. There's been a, a post going around and I'm behind this a thousand percent that says when this industry opens back up, travel in Canada shop in Canada, shop local, keep the money in Canada. I'm agreeing with you, but I'm disagreeing with you. Interesting. Do you remember when you went on your last holiday over in Europe and that little mom and pop shop was around the corner just waiting for either the cruise line to come in or the tour bus to let off those hundreds of tours, uh, tourists waiting to shop? They thrive on your dollar. If we don't help spend the money there as well, they may not be there. Yeah, that's very true. And it really takes away from the culture and the experience that you're so used to getting when you travel. So as much as I absolutely believe we need to make sure we support Canadian economy, don't forget all of those other economies that are happening in the countries that you love to travel to because you don't want them to have to fail and not be there. It's not like somebody else is going to walk in and say, oh, let's open up a shop quick. A lot of these places have been there for years mm-hmm. and they thrive on that dollar. That's what keeps them going. And it's what it's what keeps the charm about that city, that country, that culture. So please make sure you think that way as well. Spend your dollars where you can. There's certainly places you don't need to. Uh, we don't need to mention anything south of here. You do not <laughs> need to be spending your dollar where it's not needed. Apparently they know what they're doing. So let's let's just make sure that when we do travel, that we 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 make sure we're spending our money. Uh, you know, where I love supporting local, anyways. Yeah. In the little towns that I go to, I love finding the mom and shop, uh, pop shops. I love finding all those little tiny the street vendors, and the, they're they're waiting for those little dollars that are keeping them fed mm-hmm. and keeping them going in business. So I'm behind that a thousand percent. For sure. And I think what what you're kind of saying is interesting because I definitely believe the same thing. But also because we don't really have the international tourism, I guess you could say, even places here in Vancouver, like I'm going to put you on the spot. When's the last time you've been to Capilano Suspension Bridge? Uh, Yeah, that was a while ago. (laughs) That was a while ago. But but, but they thrive on tourism. Yeah. So we're, we're lucky. We may have locals that'll go there. Yeah. And they may offer local deals to go there. But they're really used to having that international traveler. 
And we've had the cruise ship suspension now till the end of October, which the which brings in season. millions of dollars to yep. Vancouver itself. Yeah. So you can only imagine. Look at Alberta suffering by not having the stampede this year. Yeah. That brings in more international tourists. So yes, there's definitely a lot of money that can be spent here in Canada, uh, and take advantage of it. There's some wonderful places you tend to forget because you travel elsewhere. Yeah. But boy, when you get back out there traveling, you know, make sure you look for the local stuff. Get, put the money back into their economy for them. But it's also interesting because a lot of people say that. Oh well, you know, I've I've. I'm not going to do it because, you know, it's just, it's too busy. Like a lot of my friends in the past, they've always said, oh, it's, it's too busy to go up Grouse Mountain. It's too busy to, to go to Whistler. It's too busy for this. You're going to have the most amazing time now because it's all locals. <laughs> well, it is, it is for sure. But you know, even when it is too busy, boy, it's still a lot of fun. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. There's so much to see and do when you're up there. And just become a part of the crowd, you know. I mean, the last thing you want to do going on a holiday is complain because look where you are. Oh, yeah. You could have been at home. It's very true. <laughs> okay, so now let's kind of get into some travel agent chat to inspire people. Because we never do that. Because <laughs> we never do that. So what has been the favorite trip you've booked for someone else? I'm going to... Hmm... There's so many. I mean, you, you end up booking some wonderful trips for people who are celebrating anniversaries and things like that. But I'm going to say my favorite trip was I had a client come in and, and said to me, I want to take the train. And I said, fantastic, because I love train rides. She said, I want to take the train to Italy. She said, of course, we're going to fly across the Atlantic. But and I said, excellent. Now I know what you want. So she, she's like, it's not that I'm afraid to fly. I just prefer trains. I love the train ride. I love the view. I love being in my own coach room because she took a, a coach, you know. And so we actually put boarded her here in Vancouver. She made a couple of stops to see friends going across Canada. Went from Toronto to uh, Gatwick. Oh, so she actually took the train from Vancouver. Vancouver to Toronto. Wow. Toronto to Gatwick. From Gatwick, she took the Eurostar which a lot of people don't realize you can continue. You don't just have to get off in Paris and stop. It does continue. You will switch trains. And you uh, go actually from Guernard to Guerlion. Mm -hmm. And then you pick up the next train and you head off to Turin, Italy. We sent her to five different places around Italy where she got to stop for several days in each one of them, taking the train the entire trip, reversed the whole thing, took her back up to Turin, Took her all the way back to Paris, switched train stations, got the channel right underneath, back over to England, and then flew home to Vancouver. Nope, I apologize. She flew home to Toronto and took the train back because we had a stop in Winnipeg on the way back to see family. Oh, wow. And then from Winnipeg. And she could not stop talking about it. She loved it so much being able to take the train. Oh, and amazing. that was such a fun itinerary to build. Because you build a relationship with your customer and, mm -hmm. and, you know, you're doing investigating at the same time she's saying, but I want to stop here, here and here. And so it's like, okay, what's there for her to see if I've not been to that city? And that's when you get to say, you don't need to do three days there. You need to do four. Guess what's going to happen? And you show her the different things. And sure enough, you know, I mean, it's, because they'll do their own investigating, but mm -hmm. often they'll miss some things. So, you know, we do our own little research and we find out 
why they're going to each one of these. She was a cathedral buff. She needed to go in and get photos of all the different cathedrals. And she, of course, brought me back a wonderful little souvenir from Verona, Italy. And so I was just so excited to get a little tile uh, that is now in my kitchen on my fridge. And, uh, And it was just to hear her stories... We actually went out to dinner when she came back because I knew she'd have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, we just talked through the entire dinner about the train trip and about how fun it was. She even hurt herself at one point, tra- uh, like an ankle roll or something when she was on oh. one of Yeah, no, no, no. She said they took such good care of her. And she said the Italian doctors are fantastic. Nothing was really wrong, just a tensor bandage and on my way, but... She said it was, she was just taken such good care of when she traveled. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's wonderful to get that feedback as well when you know you've put together a good itinerary. But that had to be the, one of the most exciting ones that I've done. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. So now let's go into train travel a little bit. Sure. So you and I both have a love of train travel, especially in Europe. Yes. <laughs> So talk to me about your experiences traveling by train and yeah. Uh, First of all, uh, my experiences with trains started years ago when I've taken the train across Canada three times. Absolutely love when you get on that train and love when you get off the train. (laughs) But when you're going across Canada, it can get a little bit tedious because it's just kind of the same old prairie field that you've seen before. And you're passing and passing and passing. There's, there's, you know, there's things to do when you're on there. But when there's shorter destinations on the train, it's magnificent. It's like being on a short haul flight. Look out a window, see what you're doing, and it's exciting. There's always the bar car. There's always the dining cars. So, you know, there are things to do when you're on there. Some of the more elaborate trips that I've booked for people are phenomenal. I have these wonderful clients who want to only travel if they can do a specific type of train ride while they're there. So I booked booked them in Australia where they took the very famous GAN railway. Mm-hmm. Now the GAN only goes from the uh, south coast to the north coast. So it goes from Adelaide up to Darwin. Uh, it does not cross the other direction, but it's an incredibly exciting train trip. And you don't have to take it that distance. You can get on at different areas. So they actually only took it partway and they went from Uluru, also known as Ayers Rock, up to Darwin. And they stayed a few days in Darwin, did several different tours and things around there, and then came back down to the same spot they started from. And, I mean, it's a great way to throw something different into the middle of your trip. The next trip they're looking at, of course, is Trans-Siberian, oh, which nice. who doesn't want to do that? I yeah. would be on there in a heartbeat going from anywhere from Asia over into Russia or starting in St. Petersburg and going back the other direction. It's a fascinating train ride. It's a long train ride, so you're going to be journaling, you're going to be reading a book in in those boring little in-between parts, but all the different little towns that you come into are just, they're spectacular. Mm -hmm. If you ever get the opportunity, boy, take a train somewhere. My uh, enthusiasm got even better when I started discovering all of England. Because I'm telling you, I mean, my parents talked about Paddington Station for years. And me, it was just like, it must just be a train station. No, Paddington, Paddington Station's spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. There's so many, St. Pancras, St. You know, there's just so many different train stations that you can 
go to different areas of the world from. Yeah. It's just incredible. They're really, really well maintained. They're they're very well organized. My all-time favorite was getting off the train, believe it or not. When I fly into London, I actually like to go south first when I get off at Gatwick. I love to go to Brighton by the sea. And you take the train there. It's half an hour from Gatwick Airport. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you could go there just to say, I've been here, turn around and get the train back into London and not miss a beat of your trip. But the Brighton train station's beautiful. And when you walk out of it and you're, you're right in the middle of downtown Brighton, it's just, it's beautiful. It's an absolutely wonderful place to go. So mm -hmm. uh, trains have become a new enthusiasm yet again, just because I get to see the trains and I get to see the train stations. And it's, it's marvelous, really good for the camera. Yeah, for sure. But I think also it's a great way, and you mentioned this earlier, to actually see the countrysides. I really personally like trains if I'm doing the short hoppers in between cities. Absolutely. Because you really get to see, you know, sure, I was in Budapest. I got to see Budapest. I was able to get out of the city a little bit. But the train from Budapest to Vienna, Austria was stunning. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a really interesting. And by the time you actually factor in a flight to some of these places. like The time frame just for getting a flight. Exactly. Yeah, no, when, so, you, when you can get on a train so fast and, yeah. Yeah, and so be there. I definitely think that train travel within Europe is way more different than what we have here in North America, obviously. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, because they're on time. Um, I know the German trains, I think you can set your watch to. They're starting to increase high-speed trains as well. They've just introduced one in Italy. That's going to go from north to south. It's going to go from Turin right down to the south. And uh, with a high-speed train, it means you can be in Turin and go down to the Amalfi Coast for the day. Uh, you know, it, it just, it's opening up this massive world of, I can get there now, and I can get there easy. Yep. Train in Europe is so much easier to do. They each have their own little tiny rules and regulations, like don't forget to pre-stamp your ticket before you get on the train. And there's mm -hmm. lots of lots of little tiny things. That's what the travel agents are for. And but I'm telling you, like you can just get around so much easier. Of course, you can fly from one city to the next, but we all know what it means to drive to the airport or get someone to take you to the airport. Wait in line for your flight. Get on your flight. Get off. Wait for your luggage. There's lots of little things. Whereas. Alternative is getting on a train and being able to see the beauty of the countryside. And it's so relaxing. And nowadays there's, I mean, myself, I'm, I'm more of a luxury traveler. We all know this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit of a princess. But, you know, they've got the different classes as well. So, yes, you can be, if you're the backpacker type, you can definitely hop on. There's that second class coach. And go for it. But then there's also first class, executive And, and class often the first. difference is mere dollars. Yeah. It's mere dollars to get on. You know, uh, I book train trips a lot for uh, another uh, couple of clients that I have who travel all throughout. And uh, literally it was like, um, do you want to go first class? Because it's like $12 more. And, you know, there's never any argument about that. Why would you not? It's a cleaner car. You usually get some kind of snack and a drink. Mm -hmm. You know, you're treated very well. Uh, it's, it's, you're in the first car, you know, it's, it's, it's just nice. It's a nice atmosphere. It's comfortable. And, you know, for the few extra dollars more, that's where you want to go ahead and spend those extra dollars. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because uh, same with like airlines, there's also, believe it or not, 
rail lounges. Absolutely. So yeah. I I know from my I'm, I know I'm going back to this trip a lot, but from Budapest to Vienna, it was an additional 25 euro for me to do this executive class, and I had my own pod on the train, and I got to t- do the lounge before. There's before nothing trip. wrong with having that space to spend time in for <laughs> sure. So let's talk about luxury train because there's a few that are making a comeback right now. They are. Um, I don't know if anybody has noticed, but boy, everyone's talking about the Orient Express being back out there. Yes. And it's becoming a huge hit. Yep. Uh, there's nothing wrong at all. Let, let's backtrack a bit. We have luxury. We have luxury here in Canada. We, we have do. the Rocky Mountaineer. And as much as people know it, people see it, you got to get on it. Yep. There's there's some wonderful wonderful services available on this, and it's just a super special way to travel going through the Rockies. You know, experiencing that they really do make sure that they provide something luxurious for you. There, and it's good right from the get go, right from boarding the train, you know, to to being able to be served your dinner on the train. And I I think we've talked about this before. There's different classes of service that you have on that train, yes. and it's almost like. The in-between silver leaf, I believe it's called. Yeah, there's silver leaf and then gold leaf. Silver leaf gets to stay in their own seat when they have their dinner. Is that correct? Yes. It's the gold leaf who they make you get out of your beautiful chair, <laughs> up looking in the dome, and you have to go down to a different car to eat. So I'm going to tell you to save a couple of extra dollars and travel silver leaf because I'd rather sit there when my eyes go out that window and I'm looking at the wonderful, wonderful mountains going past and the rivers that are following the train route, and the wildlife. And it's like, mm, I'm going to want to sit here, bring my supper to me. Yep. You know, it's almost like sitting at your living room watching what's going on. So I, I think I would have a preference for that one. But it's it's a great opportunity. They overnight you in a hotel on half the yep. trips and a lot of the trips. You can, some of the trips go right up into Jasper, which is another gorgeous area of Canada that a lot of people need to see. Yep. And again, now would be a really good time to be doing this stuff as soon as they start up again because... You know, it's going to be mostly locals that are going. You're probably going to see some deals come by. Oh yeah, for, for the locals sure. to get going. But so there's luxury in Canada. Don't forget it; it's worth it. That's for sure. But boy, when you want to travel some luxury in Europe, and and you were just saying there was another one that was added. So the Belmont, who runs the Orient Express, so that's from Venice to London, is right. actually that route. Right. They actually now have a train that they've released in South America. Wow. And that itinerary looks stunning. So if you're looking for something different for train travel, there's now basically, you mentioned Australia, there's South America, there's the Trans-Siberian. I mean, that one's not so much luxury. It's not about luxury, it's more about the journey itself. Experience, adventure. But there are definitely some amazing train journeys out there. And the Belmont has a lot of different itineraries. There's, There's actually some two and three nights, I believe, that they have leaving London. So it would be a really good thing, like a weekend away kind of a situation, but they're, but they're upscaled, beautiful luxury trains. The design inside is incredible, what they've kept and what they've done. It certainly does feel like you, it was, it's almost like you could get on board and do one of those dress up murder mysteries and really, really enjoy your time on there. It would be spectacular to do something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the one, the one that was referencing in South America, that one's called the Andean Experience. And it starts off in Peru. Oh. So that would be just an amazing trip, too. Absolutely. I can imagine the scenery it would just be spectacular. 
Well, thank you so much, Robert, for joining me today. It was actually a lot of fun. It's been really good. Thank you for inviting me to do this. So how can everybody find you? You can find me. My Facebook page is Travel with Robert and also on Instagram at travelwithrobert.ca. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. And we will be doing this again, I'm sure. It was an absolute pleasure. Good. Awesome. I hope you found today's episode on When Two Travel Agents Collide helpful and inspiring. I'd like to thank my guest again, Robert, for joining me today and discussing everything travel. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'd be so grateful if you could leave me a review and share this podcast with friends. I'd also like to thank my Patreon supporters. For more information on how you can become a supporter of my podcast yourself, please visit my Instagram and click on the link in my bio. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if you have any topics in mind you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please email me at podcasts at wonderlessjourney.ca or send me a message on Instagram at wonderlessjourney.ca. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.